It's May 10th, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. of the Candid Frame. We have a great show for you today, but before we begin, I'd like to thank those of you who have recently posted a review on the iTunes Music Store, posted messages on their blogs, or have been kind enough to send me a personal note about what the show means to you. It means a lot to me that you've taken the time to share your passion for the show with me and others. If you haven't already, I encourage you to do so as your spreading of the word about the show plays a big part in its success. I was surprised to hear that some thought I'm constantly being approached by people to appear on the show, and it's quite the opposite. It involves a good amount of initiative and persistence on my part, but I found that as awareness of the show has grown, it's been a little easier to get my foot in the door. This show has always been intended to reflect a wide diversity of photographers, both up-and-coming and established professional. And it's my hope that the candid frame becomes the destination, whether in print or on the web, where people go to discover more about photographers, their work, and their careers. I appreciate your help in making that happen. At its heart, this show is about passion, and today's guest, Bobby Lane, has an abundance of it. As a travel, advertising, and commercial photographer, she's enjoyed what many could easily describe as a successful career. Her stock images have been used in numerous advertisings, billboards, and posters. Her clients have included Warner Brothers, Samsung, and Mattel. And her work has also found a home in numerous books and magazine articles. But it's more than her resume or her enthusiasm for the craft that makes her the perfect addition to the candid frame roster. It's her willingness to give back to the photographic community. If you've had the privilege of of having her as a teacher at the Julia Dean, Santa Fe, or Maine Photographic Workshops, or at the International Center of Photography. You know what I'm talking about. If you're in this business long enough, you'll get to know a lot of photographers. But it's not always the most talented and most successful photographers that you remember best. It's almost always those that are generous, sincere, and after years of doing this thing, are as in love with photography as the first moment they release the shutter. Today's guest is definitely one of those. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Bobby Lane. Well, Bobby, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to finally have a chance to meet meet you. And um, let's just start off with, when did you fall in love with photography? Uh, Thank you. It's it's actually great to be here, and I'm delighted that you've asked me to do this. I fell in love with photography when I was a senior in high school, and it was one of those totally serendipitous moments. I'm from Massachusetts, from Brockton, Massachusetts, and we were moving into a brand-new high school my senior year, which was, I think is still the largest high school in the country, and they had a photography lab. I had an older sister who had a 35-millimeter camera, and she said, yeah, you can borrow my camera, and I thought, well, you know, all right, this sounds kind of interesting. I've always liked to take little snapshots and be kind of fun, and so my first roll of film, I won first and second prize in a local photography contest, and it just... I had no idea. I had no idea that this was something that I would have a talent in or had even thought about, and that was it. That first roll of film, black and white, 
just taking pictures in the snow behind my house of my dog and of the reeds and the sun and the ice formations, and, and that was it. I haven't stopped since. That's interesting that you mentioned winning the uh, photo contest. Um, that's an amazing amount of, of, of encouragement to receive, especially so early on. Um, there's an interview with Prince right now. He was on Tavis Smiley, and he talked about how about when he started playing the piano that all of a sudden he was recognized in the neighborhood as that kid who plays the piano really well. And how that, that encouragement really kind of drove him, you know, in a way that, that um, you know, otherwise might not have. I think he had already had a drive and a passion for it, but somehow that affirmation meant a lot uh, to him. How much did that mean to you in terms of you pursuing the work, not just as, as an amateur and an enthusiast, but eventually as a professional? You know, I'd, nobody's ever asked me that before. That's a, it's a very interesting question because I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but it had a huge effect. Maybe if I didn't get this, that kind of recognition in the beginning, maybe it just would have been something else that I was interested in as opposed to something that was uh, that became such a driving passion. I, I've always been interested in music and writing and the theater, and so I've, I've been obviously interested in the arts, but I, I wasn't this was a brand new thing to me. So I think that probably getting that, and it was, we're talking about a very small contest in a, a, a small town. It, it wasn't anything that was big, but at the same time, to get that kind of impact was really great. So it probably shaped me much more than I had actually thought about until just this very second. <laughs> so what do you do? You're, you're in high school, you're discovering photography, and you decide, okay, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to learn this stuff, and it's... and. You know, the school provides a great opportunity because it allows you to immerse yourself in in something in a way that you can't do it when you have a job and you have a career. But how did that shape you, and what did you discover about, you know, the work or, or, or your process that helped sort of lead you in your early days as a professional photographer? Well, what happened is that since I discovered this my senior year of high school, that's when you're supposed to decide what college you're going to go to and what you're going to be. And, you know, it's a ridiculous amount of pressure for somebody who's 18 years old to say, yes, this is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. So since it was all so new, I didn't quite know what to do with it. I went to Emerson College in Boston, um, which is a, a liberal arts college, and, and, uh, it, and it had a whole variety of things. It's known as a communications school, but it had drama and writing and a whole variety of things. I lived for my photography classes. It's the, they just had two teachers and a couple of classes, and there was two teachers there. One of them was really good, and unfortunately, that was not the teacher that I had. So what I found was I found myself being very frustrated that I really wanted more. And after two years of going to Emerson, I realized that if I stayed at Emerson, the only thing I'd be qualified to do, if I stayed for and got my degree, the only thing I'd be qualified to do is to go to more college. So I left after two years, and I went to New England School of Photography in Boston and completely immersed myself. You know, when you're in photography school, you live, eat, breathe, think, dream. It's, it's everything. Every waking moment, every dreaming moment. I would dream ideas and wake up in the morning and couldn't wait to get to school. I'd be there before the doors opened so that I could get in and start working on something. And, and that was, it was huge. It, it as you said, it's, it becomes all-consuming. It's difficult to do if you're trying to make a transition. It was perfect to do then. And from there, I actually went and started assisting a photographer. But 
you know, you've just inspired me to rem- to remember a defining moment in my life that really is what changed my life completely, and to do my career. When I was in photography school, I was working part time at a clothing boutique. You know, was, people can't see me, but you know, I'm my epitome of fashion is jeans and a t-shirt and cowboy boots. So, uh, for me, working in a clothing boutique was a little odd, but. Uh, I had a great boss. He really liked me, and I kept calling him up and changing my hours because I had photo projects to work on or we had an event or something. And, one, and he accommodated me as much as he could. And one day I called him, and he said, you know, I know you're doing this, and I really support you in this, but I just can't do this anymore. I, you have to make up your mind either that you're, you're either going to work for me or you're not because I just can't do it anymore. And it was one of those moments that's like you see in movies where time stood still. In about two seconds, my entire life came to me, and I made a gigantic decision. And that decision was is that from that moment forward, I would never make money doing something that I didn't want to do again, and that, that I would only support myself by doing what I loved, and that, that was photography, unless I was absolutely starving. I always gave myself the out, but I've I've done that. I've never I have never done anything besides photography and teaching photography. It's that's truly my. That's how I've made money ever since I was 19 years old and had that that epiphany in uh, photo school. That's a real blessing, you know. And I think that that moment about making that choice to follow your passion sometimes it's in it's easy. Sometimes I think for most people it's very very difficult. In your role as a as an educator. I think you have an opportunity to talk to a lot of people who are, you know, struggling with making that choice. You know, some people may be fairly young, some may people may be middle aged, some may be maybe in their senior years, but they still struggle with, God, I want to do this. I want to commit more of my time, if not all of my time, to doing that. So, how as a as an educator, do you help provide people sort of what they need to be able to not just to learn more about Photography, but to be able to make a, a, a life choice that they may be struggling with. It's funny because sometimes I think I am kind of a life coach. Um, and I do get a lot of people who are midlife or in transitioning or and, and all ages. I mean, it's, it isn't just people who are just starting out. But I've had, I've had grown men come to me in tears because they hate their job. They love photography. They love the arts. They want to do something. They want to make that transition. And it is, it's, it is a momentous decision to make. Um, and I, I truly believe that we all can do anything that we set our minds to. We have to make the commitment to do it. And when you make the commitment, that means that you have to do the work. Um, my, favorite, my favorite phrase in my life, my motto or logo, I suppose, is um, perseverance furthers, which means as long as you continue to put one foot in front of the other, you're going to get somewhere. And, and that's pretty much what I tell people. It's like, you can do this. Absolutely, you can do this. You have a lot to learn. You have a lot of work to do. But if you do the work, you can do that. I, I'm also very practical with people because I do tell them to not give up their day job uh, right away. It's, it's a very difficult way to make a living. And you, you know that there's the general five- to seven-year rule. And it's true of any business. It doesn't make any difference whether it's photography or not. But it's going to take you five to seven years before you're actually making a living, a real living at something. And I encourage people to make the transition. But to make a plan. Um, You know, one of the things that I think that I learned the hard way in my life was how important the business aspect is. So I really encourage my, my students of any level that they need to know more about business. If they want to be 
a self-employed photographer in any area. They could be art, fine art photographers. It doesn't make any difference what area of photography. But you're still a business person. You still have to know how to run all that. And that if you can learn that, then for most artistic people, that's the hard thing to learn. Everything else is easy. You can learn the technique. You can learn the art. You can learn how to be a fantastic, inspired uh, photographer with great design and impact and emotional connection. But if you don't know the business end, nobody's going to see your pictures. I think one of the things that that I've been thinking about, because the topic for this year I decided was choosing a photographic life. And that doesn't... And and I've been thinking a lot about it. And I think part of it is living a photographic life doesn't necessarily mean going to business as a photographer. You know, and that you can have a photographic life that involves you creating images, sharing images, you know, getting them published or shown somewhere. Um, But I think in today's world, oftentimes you think of you can't claim you're a photographer unless you're making a living from it. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, so if, if being in business isn't part of, isn't part of the definition, what do you think identif- makes someone, allows someone to say that I am a photographer if they're not necessarily making a living from it? Well, I, and I totally agree with you. I, it, it isn't a matter of whether you're, uh, how much money you make at it. It really is that photographic life. That, that, that phrase is such a giant phrase, and it has, it has so many uh, levels of what's going on in that. Um, you know, I have friends who are amateur photographers that, that I would consider to be photographers because, you know, I, I've never really thought about it before, but as I'm, as I'm talking about this, it's, I think it's, number one, having the passion, having that passion and drive, and that it's something that you really love. Um, it's that, that willingness to create. And being a creator, is, it's, it, that's a risk. That, that means taking risk. It means being willing to fail. And, and I think that that's really important. I think, I think that when you do make mistakes, that you learn a lot from that, and it gives you a bigger perspective on everything. So I think that, that that's a big identifier, is that, that making the commitment to the passion, uh, the, the taking the risks, and producing. You know, it's like it's not giving up. It's like you just, it's, it comes back to that perseverance furthers. Um, I would be perfectly happy if I just took pictures of flowers for the rest of my life. Yeah, that might not be true. <laughs> I like too many things. However, I love taking pictures of flowers. It has nothing to do with my business. It has, I've, I've never really made any money. I have had a gallery show of my images and flowers. Uh, but I love doing that, and I think it's a never-ending process of discovery. Maybe that's part of the photographic life is that discovery process, of being willing to take that path of discovery, of looking for the next thing, looking for what's around the corner, looking for the new perspective, looking for your personal way of seeing the world, as opposed to trying to do what everybody else has already done, which we're quite often inspired by what other people are doing, but finding our own way, I think that that's really what's important. That's what's going to make, that's what's going to make a difference and what's going to make the satisfaction in your own life as a photographer is to say, this is the way that I view the world and the way that I want to show other people. This is, a, this is an aspect of the world that other people haven't seen. I do, and I want to share that with you. The, um, what I like about your work is that 
that you cover so many subject matter, so much subject matter. Um, oftentimes when people ask if they're a photographer, what kind of photographer are you? You photograph people, you photograph flowers. And I think oftentimes people think that they have to be locked in to photographing only one subject in order to lay claim to being any kind of photographer. But your work is, is very diverse. You photograph people, you do, you know, you do you, nature, you do a lot of travel stuff. Um, how important is that diversity to you and your creativity? To me personally, it it's means a lot because I can get bored. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm a photographer is because nothing is ever the same. No job is the same. No, it, I, I do mostly portrait photography as my profession and also on my own, you know, photographing friends, photographing strangers and people that I meet. Um, nobody's the same. Everybody's different. So I'm always, it's always something that's new and exciting to me. But doing that variety of kinds of work, I love landscapes. I love industrial. I love going into dirty factories and, and it's graphic and it's interesting and it's different and I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by all that. I can get very excited and tongue-tied by walking into a factory. Um, I used to photograph large-format product photography in the studio. That was my first passion. That was when I was in photography school. That was the only thing I wanted. I didn't want to do people. I just wanted to do large-format product. Um, but I love all of that. I, I could never limit myself and say that this is the only thing that I do. And, and people do that. I mean, there are people who are food photographers or portrait photographers and it's, it's a wide variety and, and that's fine but for me personally I'm, I think I'm too interested in many things um, I, and, and photography for me is also personal discovery and, and that is, is that that's, it's kind of how I find out about the world I'm really interested in all kinds of things so photography is a way that I get to discover that um, I was going to say it's an excuse but it's not an excuse it's more of a pathway to that discovery. And that's true of both my personal work and my commercial work. Because in my commercial work, um, I'm really interested in outer space. And I have been ever since I was a little girl. And I, f I got to photograph the proposal for the space station for McDonnell Douglas, which was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. I went to India for six weeks on a, a project that was called Indian, Indian Renaissance. A another great, you know, when was I ever going to get to India any other way? Um, all of these things are ways that I get to find out more about the world that we live in or the, the outer space that we, we can go to um, and bring that back not just for me to be also be able to show it to other people. So that diversity keeps me interested and on my toes and challenged all the time. And I think also I need that. I need the challenge. You were talking about when you were in, in college, you were always thinking about these concepts and sort of these ideas that you wanted to, you know, go ahead and try and make. How much of that is involved in the work that you do today? Because I know a lot of it involves travel, and so you're not really preconceiving anything. You may have some idea of the subject matter, but how, is, how much of that sort of preconception uh, is involved in the body of work that you're producing now? Uh I have another favorite phrase in photography, and that's everything depends upon everything. And that, that, the answer to that question is, well, that depends. <laughs> um, there are times when I work on projects. Uh, you know, I know that you've been to my website, and there's a whole section in there on Native Americans. I spent five years going to powwows, specifically one in Idaho. And, and that, was, that was, I've never done anything that's been that long-term of a project before. Um, that was, that's a separate thing from what I would do in other cases. It's like even the way that I approach doing my corporate clients, 
I always try to do something different for each corporate client. Um, but there is something that you said about when I was in photography school that I was thinking about. It's, it's, it's funny how things go in big circles, you know, as, as life brings you start one place and go someplace else. When I was in photography school, I was really interested in photographing things that the human eye cannot see. In other words, I like the pinhole cameras because you can't really see everything in focus all in one flat plane. Um, I was interested in kind of special effect things because you can't really see it. But then I was classically trained, and then most of my work became everything was sharp and in focus and the color was correct and, you know, everything was lined up and symmetrical and, and all of that. And, and now I'm much more interested in the things that the camera can produce, such as, you know, even just like shaking the camera, having a little bit of blur, uh, long exposures, um, uh, mixing colors. You know, we can't see different colored light at the same time. The camera can, the sensor can, but we can't perceive that but I can create something with different colors of light that is impossible for me to see in reality. So those kinds of things, especially with digital, that's kind of like brought that all back to me now, and I like to, I like to bring elements of that into my regular work. It, I wouldn't say that that's all I do or that that's all I'm, I'm thinking about, but I, I really find that so much more interesting now because it's, you know, it's all emotional. All that stuff that we can't actually perceive that you can do photographically, it all has emotional impact. And I'm, I'm very interested in that. I'm very interested in exploring the, the, the visceral and emotional nature of a two-dimensional image. I was um, working about some images this weekend, converting a lot of them to sort of black and white. I was trying this software that I've had for a while, and I finally sat down and said, well, let me play around. And I was converting images that I always looked at in color into black and white and I saw this excitement opening up for me because I was, I was brought up you know, in the traditional wet darkroom so there's something about looking at a beautiful monochrome print with a whole range of you know, tones and those brilliant blacks and, and whites and I realized that um, a big part of my process now doesn't involve the print you know, and I was realizing, God, I, I really miss that. Because even though I was looking at a really brilliant black and white image on the screen, I wanted so much to have a print of it. And I think now, with a lot of my clients, I, I never have to make a print. I just have to send the stuff electronically. But I, but I wonder about you. You know, you do a lot of teaching. You do a lot of corporate work. Where's the the the, the actual print play a role in in your work, if at all? And how important is it? Uh, if I'm the same as you, it, my clients, I'm just delivering electronic files. I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing any prints. I mean, everything that I do, I'm a commercial photographer. I don't do any retail work, so to speak. So, so everything is just a digital file. Um, I do have, I have a couple of printers myself, um, and sometimes I get really into it. Sometimes I, I get into, into, into just like a mindset where that's all I want to do. I just want to get up and I want to start printing right away. I don't think I'm a great printer. I think I'm a pretty good printer. Uh, I would like to be a better printer. And I think that, it's again, it's another one of those technique balancing the art because sometimes I think when you understand your techniques, your technique is really good, that that can give you ideas for your creation. So it, it brings the balance back again. Um, I'm actually, when I go home, when I go back to Connecticut now after this, after this trip, I do have some things that I want to start working on on printing. Um, 
I just came from back from Dubai, Gulf Photo Plus. It's my third year of going and, and teaching at this event that's there. And one of the other instructors is David Nightingale, and he's an, he's an Englishman. He has his own website, and he does fantastic black-and-white conversion. Um, he does some HDR stuff, too, but he's, his HDR is not over the top. You know how sometimes the HDR can just look – it looks unreal. It's cool, but it looks unreal. His HDR is a different kind of level where it's a real enhancement. And as you were talking about this, I was thinking we had gone out one day into the souks to photograph, and we both photographed the same man at different times. We found a really interesting character. And he had just posted his black and white version of it. And I had only looked at mine in color. And when I saw his black and white version, I went, oh, I want to do that. I want, I want to get in and I want to play with that. And so that's, that's, again, another thing that gets exciting. So now I'm going to get excited about the technique, which will make me go back out into the real world and start seeing things again a little bit differently. It's another discovery. It's another process. And bring another aspect or level to my work. So... You know, there's that saying that you're never there. There's there's no there there. You're, it's because there's it's always growing and changing. So now it's so funny that you said that because now I'm so excited after seeing what he did. It's like, oh God, I want to play with that. That's just really cool. Yeah, there's something to be said to spending some time with another photographer whose work you admire, getting them, seeing what they're doing, but more importantly, seeing what you're not seeing. You know, you may be accomplished as a photographer, but when you're with another photographer, you're going, what are you looking at? What are you seeing? And, it's peop- and people who aren't photographers always ask that, that question, but I think there's a, there's a certain perspective that we bring yeah. in this, that's, since that's what we do. Right. Um, you teach a lot. You go to Santa Fe. You know, you, 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 you hear Julia Dean uh, this week. I don't know how often you have an opportunity to actually watch you know, other photographers who are as accomplished as you work. But how important do you think that is sometimes to your development and, and as a photographer, but also uh, as a means of being able to push you in directions you might not otherwise thought you would have gone? Me personally, that's, it's again, it's a huge inspiration to be around other professional photographers and to see what they do. Uh, it's one of the extra added benefits about being a, a workshop instructor is that I get to meet these other people and I get to see what they're doing. And, and quite often when we're in the workshops, uh, I can see what's happening with them or, or see what their classes are producing and they come and see what we're doing. And when I see what's fresh with them, because there's always instructor presentations, it again, I, I get a lot of inspiration out of that. Um, and quite honestly, you know, there's some competition and when I say that, and, and I want to say that because I want to be really clear about this, nobody can compete with me. And, and I mean that in a way is that because nobody else sees the way that I do. I, I get hired as a photographer because they like the way that I create images. So it's not, when I say competition, it's not that I'm better than somebody or, or worse than somebody or that I feel that way about anybody else. But when I see somebody doing something creative, then that inspires the competition in me to say, yes, I want to go do that. I want to go try that. And how can, I, how can I look at what they did and how can I incorporate that or make it mine? And it comes back to that about what's my view. Um, but quite often I find that stimulation inspires me to something that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. So, uh, so constantly, I think it's so important to constantly be looking at work and to be reading about other photographers, hearing about other photographers, finding out where they come from because it just helps us on our own path. It's interesting. That whole idea is, um, 
I think part of it is is that oftentimes I see people are looking for affirmation for what they're doing outside of themselves. So oftentimes they'll look at a body of work and they'll see the, what everyone is producing. And, and that tends to lead to a lot of mimicry. Like HDR is, is one example. They think, okay, the HDR, this is really cool. I want to be able to do that. So they end up mimicking it. You know, and, and the value of their work is based on how closely they match the work that's sort of out there. They may be able to excel what's out there or they may just be able to meet it. And then there's another part about work that's very personal, which you may not see being reproduced elsewhere. And all of a sudden it comes into question, is what I'm doing valid? Is it worthwhile? Is there value to it? And I think that's probably one of the biggest obstacles any artist has to to go because it's like they look like we're getting back to the beginning of our conversation that whole idea of being affirmed in in some way and that can lead to a whole lot of doubt but i think part of what you're saying is that you know what you're doing though you may not see reflected in the work that's being done by these other professionals is it's it's valid it's valuable i think that everything we do is valid um whether it's whether it would be I, I don't really even want to use the term success or failure, but whether it is whether you find that you're happy with it or you're unhappy with it, let's put it that way. Because if you're unhappy with it, then that says that teaches you how to overcome that. How could I make that better? What could I have done that could have made this a better image? So uh that helps you develop, you know, to become a stronger or better image maker. Um and sometimes I find that when I'm really happy with an image that I make, like when I first make that image, and I look at it and I go, oh, wow, this is fabulous. Lots of times those images that I think are so great when I first do them, two months later I go, yeah, it was all right. You know, we're always our own worst critics. And then sometimes I'll go back and the things that I think that didn't knock my socks off in the beginning, and then I go back and I, and I see that there was much more depth to that than I originally saw. It's, it's kind of like that, um, you know, cliches. Cliche, we all have cliches, and cliches are good because they're, you know, they're pretty well universal. But lots of times, like when you start to think about something or you, you're trying to do some brainstorming or come up with ideas, the first thing that pops into your head will be a cliche because you've either seen it done before or you've done it yourself before. And very rarely is the cliche going to be the best. But... It could always be the most obvious, and it still could be good. What's important is to get past that, is to get past your initial idea and search for the next, the next level that you can go to. Don't, don't be satisfied with, the, with um, what you just did. It's like, okay, I did this, and this is good, but now what else can I do? It's, it's, again, it's that process of... Um, uh, you know, about digital. I mean, you and I have been around for a long time shooting film and then making the transition to digital. When digital first came around, my students were into it before I was. And what I was seeing happen with the students is that they would look at their images on the back and they'd say, I got it, and they would stop. And in film, of course, we didn't know whether we had it, so we would, we would work as hard as we possibly could to get the image that we wanted, and then we would keep trying because we weren't really sure. We had no way to know. So we kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and then you'd have a huge editing process. I have taken that and incorporated that into digital now, so now I know when I've got it, when I think I've had a successful image, when I'm happy with what I've got, but I don't stop there. I don't say, okay, well, now I can stop and go on to something else. Now it's like, okay, I got that. 
Where can I go? What else can I do? How can I take this now and put a different twist on it? What, you know, I do this with my students all the time. I say, you've got to go down the path. You've got you to pick a path to start on. It doesn't really matter what path. Once you start going down that path, you're going to see branches in the road. But if, and, and maybe that branch is the one that you really want. But if you didn't start on the path in the first place, you'll never get to that branch. So you can't just take one step on the path. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep moving. And then you'll find something. And allow yourself to find something. You don't have to be rigid and just say, no, this is the path I'm going. Look at the different sides and see where you can, where you can take that. I think it's really important to develop that. Um, uh, to, it's, it, you know, I keep coming back to the, the, the discovery and the exploration because, you know, some of my best images started off as mistakes. You were talking, before we started the interview, you were talking about your uh, studio lighting course that you just finished at Julia Dean. And you were mentioning the fact that a lot of people there were very terrified. They were very nervous about using these studio lights. And by the time they were done, they had forgotten they'd ever felt that. And, you know, they were just so excited about what they had learned and what they had done and, and wanted to apply it. So, when's, has there been a recent time where you were feeling similar fear about, you know, a job or a shoot that, that you went through that whole process yourself? Pretty well every day. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I am not a Photoshop wizard or a Lightroom wizard. Um, I feel quite often behind in terms of, of really being up to date as to what's possible with the, with the digital aspect, with the computer aspect. Not the digital aspect, but the computer aspect. Um, I always wish that I had more time so that I could really sit down and, and spend more time learning more things about Photoshop or the, or the, or the plugins, all the extra filters, or the new things that happen, or, you know, there's so much that there is to know. Um, and it's not that I want to become a Photoshop wizard, but, again, I want, to be able to, I want to be able to do anything that I want to do. Right now, I know how to prepare a file for reproduction. I know how to take a file. I know how to work curves. I know how to do everything that I need to do. I, knew, I know the basic retouching. I know how to do what I need to do. But I would like to know more than that. So that kind of terrifies me because I have students in my class who are so far beyond me in terms of their computer skills. And, and they come and ask me a question, and I just say, you know, I, I'm not the person to ask that from. You know, I can teach you about the creating the image. Uh, on the post-processing end, I'm not that good. So I, I have fears that I am never going to learn all the stuff that I want to learn <laughs> on the computer. Um, in, terms of the, in terms of other parts, it's like the, you know, I've been lighting for 30-something years, so I'm not, I don't have a problem with lighting. I can figure it out, and I can, always, and I can come up with new things. I mean, that's... That, to me, is, is easy now. That fear has been gone for a long, long, long time. Um, but, and I think that just about every job, no matter what the job is, and again, I don't think it matters how long you've been doing this, I think you're always going to have a little element of fear. Like, am I really going to be up for it? Uh, I set intentions before I go out and shoot anything. Before I, I shoot a commercial job, before I go out to shoot for myself, I try to set the intention that I am going to be as creative as I possibly can, that I'm going to try to find a new way of doing something, that I'm not going to settle for just what I know is going to be a good picture. We all know how to make a good picture. Every single one of us knows how to do something to make a good picture. And that's great. And you could do that, and you could be bored for the rest of your life. 
You know, I'm not interested in being bored. I want to do something different. So I always have that intention about trying to take it to another step. And you can't do that all the time. I I don't think it's humanly possible that every single thing you do is going to be a great success and incredibly creative and and found something new. I, I I think that emotionally it's impossible. Psychologically it's impossible. Physically it probably is possible, but you probably couldn't do it every time without getting pretty tired. A um, lot of decisions are made in, in making photographs, and I think you, even there physically you'd probably wear out from things. But, but I'd like to have that, to set that intention that that helps me get through that fear of I'm not quite sure about this, but I'm going to try. And, and, you know, and, you know, there's that other saying. It's like, you know, it, eventually it all works out anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to remember that even the greatest photographers take thousands of bad pictures. Thousands. You know, Absolutely. they only show the best ones. That's right. You know? You're 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 known uh, as much for being a teacher as you are for a photographer, and but I'm wondering how. What do you gain from being a teacher? How important is being an educator to you as a photographer? Ask me that question again. I'm not quite sure. um, I, just, I have 16 ways to answer. You know, I'm, I'm wondering what it means to you to be able to, to, to teach and how that influences your choices as, as a photographer. I think part of it is that you may learn some skills in terms of, you know, say Photoshop as a result of being around some of your students who are more savvy than that. But I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you really what, what sort of technical stuff that you learn. But what does, what does it lead, what does it give you as a photographer, as an artist, to share what you know with someone else, and how does that come back to you as far as you know, being a photographer, being an artist, being a creative person? There's so much inspiration that comes from the students because they're, they're, all, they're all on that unsure ground that we were just talking about, and they want to know. They have, they have that drive and that passion. And seeing them develop, whether it's one day or two days or a week or, or if I'm, like I teach 10-week-long classes at ICP, um, you know, and seeing people develop over time is, it's like watching a child grow up, I guess, in a, in a way. Um, uh, it's, it's incredibly inspiring to, to see that and stimulating. Um, there's, there's something about that, though, that you know, I, I can I could get I can start to cry here very easily because the, because teaching means so much to me. Um, I feel like I'm really uh, it's my gift. You, you know, it's 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 what I was given my ability to teach. Um, I, I think I'm a really good photographer, but I think I'm a better teacher, and I'm a better teacher because it's my gift. Um, and I think that. The ability to be able to give these people the information that they so desperately want, and then help them, help guide them so that they can make the images that they want at the end of the day or the weekend or, or whatever it is that they walk out of there. It's it's like I it's such joy, and it's almost kind of like it isn't me. I feel like I'm almost kind of channeling, and I'm not trying to get too esoteric here, but it's. I really kind of feel like there's just kind of this energy flow that's going through and that I'm, I'm pretty much the guidepost and the energy comes from them into me back out to them again and I get totally energized. 
I, by the time at the end of the class, it's like the greatest high I possibly could have. And it's all because they're doing what they want to do. It really has very little to do with me. It's all about them. But that whole energy that has happened over this amount of time is uh, it's greater than anything else I can possibly imagine. So, so that, again, that inspiration just comes back to me into my work in, in terms of uh, it, it, it keeps it fresh. That's the best way to say it. It really keeps everything fresh. It's amazing when you think about it how you winning that photo contest in that small community and, and getting affirmation there and me getting affirmation from learning photography at, a, at the Boys School of Hollywood and each of us pursuing our passion has allowed us to be able to impact someone else's life to that extent you know it's just it's just phenomenal because we don't think about it in that way oftentimes because we're in the midst of it and we're doing it all the time and it's work and blah 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 but when you when you have an opportunity to teach and pass it on to someone else and have them have that look in their eye you know of, of, yeah but also but also being able to discover something about themselves through photography I think regardless of what you produce in terms of image it's probably the most gratifying things you, you can have. Yes. And, it's, and, it's, it's, and it's wonderful. Um, what, what do you think that, besides you know, that, what do you think photography provides you um, beyond the creative, beyond education, that you don't think you'd get elsewhere? Because people oftentimes, if you weren't a photographer, what else would you be doing? But that's not, that's not really my question. It's like, what is it about photography that you feel like you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else? When you're out there in Dubai and you're traveling and you're shooting, what is it about the act of actually having a camera in your hand making images gives you that you wouldn't have if you were out there anyway? You know, I've been a photographer for so long that I don't know, I don't know what I would do without a camera. Um, my... Um, my somebody from a long time ago once said to me, "You don't actually see what goes on because you're always looking at it through the camera." And in the, the example of that is that um, I photographed uh, when I was still here in California. I photographed the landing of the space shuttles several times. I was out there three or four times. I got to photograph the, the shuttle landing. I've never seen the shuttle land. I've only photographed the shuttle landing. I've actually never seen had the real experience of it. I've just photographed it and then experienced it through the photograph. But to me, that's the real experience. There are times when I go out and I don't bring a camera specifically because I just want to have the reality of what's going on. But, um, but I, I don't really know how to answer that question because what, what does it bring me? It brings me everything. It brings me the world. It brings me, it brings me people in my life that I would never meet any other way. It brings me to places that I would never see any other way. It brings me to find out about uh, businesses and concepts that I would probably never find out about on my own. I mean, I've talked about my, you know, my love of, the, of outer space and exploration. And um, I had a client when I was here in L.A. that they made fuel tanks for satellites. Now, even with all of my background and all this, I'd never thought about fuel tanks for satellites. Have you ever thought about fuel no. tanks for satellites? Never occurred to me that there's a whole industry of people that make fuel tanks for satellites. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing. It's like I got to go to their factory and see how they made these things and what they did, and that is just, like, awesome. So it, it, it's the world. It brings me the world. How would I have all of this stuff otherwise? I could read about it. 
I, could I actually walk into a factory where they make fuel tanks for satellites? Probably not. Um, would I get to go to India? Well, yeah, I probably could go to India. Uh, I could probably go to Dubai. Uh, you know, I could go to a lot of places, but, but in terms of actually going there with this same kind of experience, because I think that also being a photographer, people are more open to you. They want to show you more things. It's like when you meet people, they say, oh, you're a photographer? Oh, I have to come and show you this little hidden garden off the street that you wouldn't find out about any other way. Or, oh, here's this... I've had this happen to me on more than one occasion when I've been traveling in foreign countries. I don't speak any other languages. But when I've met people and they say, oh, you like to photograph people? You have to go down the road and there's this little old lady who raises goats. You've got to go down there and meet her. So, again, it's an introduction into... Into, into pieces of the world that how would I find any other way? I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine doing anything else. <laughs> well, the last question I always ask is I ask a photographer to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone from the present or the past, someone you've uh, long held a passion for or just recently discovered. So who would that be for you and why? Uh, just one? Just one. Well... Um, I'm going to have to say Stephen Johnson. Do you know Steve Johnson? Steve Johnson is one of the digital pioneers. He shoots large format uh, landscape. Uh, he's in California, and he's, uh, he's, a, master, he's a master photographer, uh, incredibly creative. Uh, he's a master printer. But beyond his technical, you know, he's, he's, again, one of the digital pioneers. Beyond the technical, Steve's aesthetic sense and the way that he talks about beauty and perception, uh, it, it, I'm mesmerized when I listen to him talk. I, I, I think his work is beautiful, but it's listening to what he has to say and his ethics and his integrity and the, his feeling about beauty. I, I'm, I could listen to him talk for hours. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for making time for me and uh, having the opportunity to meet you outside of Facebook. <laughs> A pleasure, but you will be seeing me on Facebook. <laughs> thank you. Thanks again for joining me, and a special thank you to Richard Newman of Calumet Photographic in Los Angeles for making the space available for this interview. If you have any comments or suggestions, please contact me at thecanderframe at gmail.com post them as is on the blog at thecandidframe.com or on the fan page on Facebook. Until next time, this is Ronnie and Esperamo, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.